Justin, it's great to have you back on the podcast. Yeah, great Welcome to back. be back. Great to be back. Happy uh, to be talking about football again with you. Dude, I thought you were going to say Happy New Year. <laughs> <laughs> no, nah, but we could, in like a couple of months' time, we'll say Happy Season, Happy New Season, but now the season's Yo. done. Yeah, the season's done, and we're looking forward to a new and more exciting season uh, with new additions to all leagues. Uh, off the top of my head, Erling Haaland, the biggest signing. In world football <sighs> at the moment. Yeah. That's, well, I mean, it's not even at the moment. I will be shocked if there's a bigger sign. Obviously, Lewandowski is, uh, mm. is, is looking for another club. But yeah. that, won't, that won't be as impactful as I think Haaland could be. But yeah. I mean, him, him to Barcelona, Lewandowski to Barcelona. How impactful can that be? How, how would you... How would you term his presence in La Liga impactful if they've got striking options right now at the moment. They've got Aubameyang, Torres. They're quite full yeah, of options. so Ch- Xavi's recruitment process does confuse me. Um, however, what I have learned from Xavi, both as a player and a manager, is don't actually doubt him. Uh, but his, rec- his, his recruitment process uh, or strategy is a bit strange because he has signed an abundance of forwards. Uh, granted, a few of them on loan. Adama Traore was on loan, and he, apparently he is not looking to trigger the 30 million buy option. Um, but um, they do have an extreme amount of forwards. Are they still, they, what? Braithwaite, Torres, um, uh, Aubameyang. Uh, who else do they have? Uh, well, they had Traore. Okay. They get Lewandowski. Um, we're missing another big player there up front for them. Oh, Luke de Jong. Luke uh, de Memphis Depay. Memphis Depay. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I can't believe I didn't remember Memphis. But you, you know what I'm saying? They've got almost yeah. too many. Yeah. So they so mentioned... You mentioned Braithwaite. Uh, he's... They want to let him go. Him, Ricky Pudge, uh, Umtiti... All like the fringe players at the moment who are ah, not really in the squad. Yeah. They yeah, want to let them a, go. A bit of a culling. Yeah, yeah. yeah. A culling period. Bit yeah, of a, bit of a um, what do you call it? Uh, Christopher Columbus. Uh, the an expedition. <laughs> no, bro. No, bro. No, no, no. I'm I'm joking. It's the. <laughs> We learnt it in bio. We learnt it in bio. Yeah, but I don't know what you're talking about. Oh, Thanos' snap when you take half the population away. Barcelona is currently doing that. They're getting rid of anything they don't need. Okay. Yeah. <laughs> Ma- and a mass extinction of players. <laughs> yeah, it's called survival of the fittest. That was that yeah. I was looking for. Oh, <laughs> right. Okay. So Charles Darwin. <laughs> yeah, Charles Darwin. Sorry, Charles Darwin. <laughs> Yeah. When you said when you said Thanos' snap, I was like, I don't know if you're talking about mass like incarceration, or like like I don't know what you're talking about. But yeah, no, survival of the fittest of Barcelona, and uh, pretty much, I mean, yeah. they, they have a lot of good fit, uh, talented players. So a lot will survive, but yeah, I do think that they need to get rid of the dead weight, dead wood, dead weight, whatever. Dead wood, yeah. 
Mm. I mean, that that's just a comparison to Holland. Uh, going back to Holland, I mean, his impact, I think, will be the biggest. I mean, the the money is one thing, you know. Like, I think it's sixty million pounds. I don't think they were willing yeah. to pay the seventy-five million release clause in his contract. But just like, I mean, that's a steal in itself. Looking at the money side, if it is seventy-five. I would, I would, I would value Haaland at 150, double that. Yeah, yeah. I mean, but obviously the release clause is there for a reason, and I think before Raiola passed, he probably ensured that Haaland did not touch a single paper put in front of him by Borussia Dortmund. They would have wanted to cash in on him, um, but they don't seem to be doing too badly. To be honest with you, they've made what four, five signings since Haaland's. Um, confirmed his departure. Yeah. Um, so uh, be Schlotterbeck and Sula and a uh, midfielder from Cologne. Isn't it quite strange uh, yeah. seeing a seeing a seeing a Bayern player go to Dortmund, not a Dortmund player player going to Bayern and Sula? Sula. Yeah, but now strange. it's become, as we said before, it's become uh, Leipzig to Dor- to Bayern. Like yeah. it's it's now changed teams even like Leipzig it, have been ransacked by Bayern mm, and are continuing to be ransacked. Yeah. They con they they continue to c- continuing to be ransacked. Like there's been links between Conrad Leimer and Bayern. So I mean, <laughs> they're gonna end up being stripped of all their primary assets soon. Right, right. Yeah, I mean, yeah, yeah. yeah. Dortmund as well. I mean, they also, with that money, Holland money, they'll keep building their eventual project. But, you know, I don't know how far other Bundesliga teams are going to get with Bayern just destroying their team. <laughs> no, I think, yeah, you're definitely right in that. Bayern's recruitment process is completely different to a lot of other Bundesliga teams. What they'll do is they'll invest in youth and uh, and, and then the cycle will go on. It's kind of like how Southampton have survived for so long with feeding players in the past to Liverpool um, and to other uh, major clubs, Arsenal. Um, mm-hmm. so I can't believe I just called Arsenal a major club. But uh, <laughs> but yeah, I mean, it is, it is interesting how Bayern do tend to every year just ransack teams. But that no. that is obviously their... Uh, their agreement with other clubs. I mean, let's be honest. This isn't just a like a one way street. The clubs are agreeing to it. They both there's a be, there's a benefit for both clubs. Bayern get the players. Other teams get financial remuneration. Yeah. So, so it's not, yeah, it's and it's just you know it's it's the player's choice at the end of the day. You know, it's the club's choice and the player. It's a mutual agreement. So it's it's beneficial for both parties. Exactly. So it's like not as, it's not as if Bayern are a bad club. They don't ruin football in any aspect. They're one of the few clubs to actually treat their fans with uh, dignity and uh, respect. 100%. Mm. Uh, yeah. So, going back, impact Haaland will make uh, on the Premier League and what he will do for Man City. What are your, what are your thoughts there? Yeah, so... I'll also pose a question to you with regards to this. I've spoken about this to multiple mates of mine. And I said, I, I, 
obviously work in the bet industry and I said, put your bets down now. An anti-post bet, which means like a bet in like far in the future. I said, put your bets down now that Haaland will be top scorer in the Premier League next season. And every single friend that I've said that to has called my bluff and said, that will not happen. What do you think? I think he will. Hmm. Uh, to be honest, I don't actually know. Like, I'm, we, we, you can never know how someone from outside of the Premier League is going to adjust to the Premier but League. It's such an unpredictable state. We've play against Premier League teams, and he, he's, a, he's also physical, and that's what you need. I mean, obviously, like, there's going to be the odd Lewis Dunk trying to go, like, <laughs> uh, shoulder to shoulder with him. And um, and a Ben White maybe making a few reckless challenges and playing on the fact that Holland is fit. But the boy's a beast. He's yeah. a physical specimen. He's a freak of nature. He's mm. going to yeah. do well. Yeah. No, no, I'm, I'm not discounting that he will do well. I'm not putting it past him. Like, the thing is, okay, I'm putting it down to a few factors. If he does not get injured during the season... If he plays 30-plus games in the Premier League and he plays, I would say, if Man City reached the semi-final, you play three, four knockout matches plus five group stage matches, so like nine or ten matches in the Champions League. That's 40-plus games. If he plays 40-plus games, he's racking in at least 30 goals. Yeah, 25 to 30. At least. At least. And if he stays fit, um, and if he consistently, I know he will consistently perform if he stays fit. That's a given. Yeah. I I don't think with with a player like that, with like a freak of nature, as you said, like that, I don't think he'll have a problem playing against any team. Mm. Yeah, I agree. And in any different league. Yeah, the disclaimer should be out there. What I'm saying is, is, is under the assumption that he stays fit and there's no injuries and he's also first selection because we have seen Man City, sorry, Pep Guardiola, make some very, very strange decisions. We, he's, he's a classic yeah. overthinker, but I can't see him spending the money. I mean, he was, he was with Grealish fitting a square peg into a round hole. If he finds a hole and doesn't fit, he's still going to persist. I don't think Grealish was a was a was a perfect signing for City by 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 no stretch of the imagination, but I do think that he'll try and make it work. Mm-hmm. And and because of that, I do think that Harlem will start majority of the games given if if he's fit. Um, and I do think that the players that will be playing behind him are actually incredibly well suited for Harland. I mean. Raheem Sterling and Jack Grealish, as much as like they can waste opportunities, they do also create so many. How many times in a City game do you see that ball drilled along the box, right? Just and it, and it goes and it goes untouched. It just is along the six yard area, and it doesn't have that end that that that, that the natural number nine to know where to be to put the ball in the back of net. That's Haaland's expertise. That that is yeah. his that is his field. That's his niche. I think he'll be there to put those balls in the back of the net. And having someone like Kevin De Bruyne there, and if Gundogan stays on, which I don't think he will, we'll get to that later. If De Bruyne or another Bernardo Silva have uh, the have had the player there like Holland to give the ball to, he will finish 
seven out of ten chances. He'll finish 70% of those chances, which I don't think Gabriel Jesus' strike rate is even near that. Yeah. That also poses another question. Like, I agree with you. You know, he, he, I think he'll actually finish, like, because he is an out-and-out poacher, um, regardless of, a, of the fact that he can run like a bull at defenders, uh, take <laughs> them on. <laughs> he's a po- he's a poacher. He's a freak of nature and he's a poacher. Um, he's the best poacher in my eyes, um, in the world. Yeah. At the yeah, moment. Car- car- so he's him, him and Benzema. Him and Benzema, definitely. I honestly think he'll finish like nine out of 10 of the chances he gets, to be honest, yeah. with this, with De Bruyne around him, with, uh, Mares, with, uh, Grealish with Sterling, with Bernardo, with yeah. Foden. It's, it's too much quality around him to not finish. He, he'll, you know, you always, we all make mistakes and Holland will know, will make mistakes. Like he'll, he'll miss a yeah. city or two, but he's going to score, a, you know, big, big goals, crucial goals. So. Like, yeah. I mean, you know, what else do you need as a striker? A lot of players are set up for failure. This time, Haaland is set up for uh, what's the opposite of failure? <laughs> um, for success. success. Yeah, he's, he's, <laughs> he's, he's, he's set up for success. I just can't, yeah. I just can't see uh, him being a flop. Um, that's 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 my opinion. Yeah, I can't, I can't see him being like a Falcao or a Torres or like, you know. Uh, it's so hard to call Torres a, a flop, but or a Chelsea flop. No, not really yeah, a Chelsea flop. Actually, yeah, His crucial did, goal against Barcelona. Yeah, he, he yeah. got one of the most crucial goals. Yeah. Um, yeah, but then again, we have seen Romelu Lukaku come back yeah. to the Premier League and not impress. Uh, we yeah. have seen Diego Costa, hot in form, come to the Premier League and not impress. Uh, as you mentioned, Falcao, players that. At their at, at at their peak, were class number nines. I mean, Falcao was one of the best um, uh, intelligent strike one of, one of the most intelligent strikers there was at one stage, and he didn't impress because the the league didn't suit him. Um, oh. And as you're right, uh, you say with um, Torres at Chelsea, besides his uh, his couple goals that were extremely important in the Champions League and the one that's most notable, he didn't impress that much. Yeah. I think with Haaland, there's more, there's not more, but there's less pressure. I think he doesn't actually read much into media and, you know, pressure. I think he's just a very calm human being. You can see he, like, he doesn't care about anyone else's opinion. He just plays his way and mm-hmm. he will you can see he's a fierce player as well and he's a he demands a lot at a at such a young age as well 20 21 right yeah like he's younger than us and yeah. he's such a presence on the football pitch like I, I i can't see a way of him falling short with that personality with that I I do. The way he's gone with what he's done now. Yeah. No, I I I agree in that. 
there's also, as you said, not that much pressure on him. I mean, it's not like Ronaldo when he came back to United this season where he was the poster boy and everything was kind of, oh, what's Ronaldo? Is Ronaldo going to score the winner? Haaland won't have that pressure because City score goals for fun. If Haaland doesn't score, someone else will. I 100% agree with you. Like, and they obviously, we know Pep's going to rotate. But if your hot, your, your striker is hot in form, you're not going to rotate much in that area. But with the quality they have around him, as we said, it's going to be easy for Holland now. Now it's going to be like the easiest of pickings. Bundesliga is a very competitive league, as we've discussed. Okay, a very, very, very competitive league. I mean, we, we're seeing like Wolfsburg and Mönchengladbach not even make uh, Champions League or even Europa League. And they beat Bayern Munich like 5-0 in the, in the cups. You know, they, it's a competitive league. And we, Holland has scored like 60 plus goals in like 67 appearances or something. It's mm. ridiculous. So. Why wouldn't he be able to do that against Brighton and, uh, I don't know, Man United and uh, mm. <laughs> Arsenal and yeah. Tottenham and, you know, Everton yeah. and the likes? Why, why mm. wouldn't he be able to do that? It's, I think it, it's kind of easily translates into, and he's going to an even better team with even better supply. Like it's going to be provided when on a silver platter. It's going to the best team with the best supply. I mean, yes, they didn't win, mm. win the, the Champions League, but they are, I mean, in my, in my opinion, they are the most talented team in the world. Mm. Um, 100%. Agreed. In terms of depth, in terms of depth and in terms of place, quality, yeah, quality, everything. Like the way, I think we've spoken about this before, but Pep, Pep Guardiola has one of those abilities, like they say with all good managers, that they can picture their perfect game, how they want their team to to be structured and how they want their team to play. He knows what he wants from Haaland and from a very, very early stage in his City career, he'll tell Haaland exactly what he needs to do. He'll give him the keys to success, as DJ Khaled loves uh-huh. to say. He will give him, he'll give him the keys. All Holland needs mm. to do is just do what Pep says. It's 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 an incredible opportunity for him to grasp this mentorship that will that will be at his disposal. Mm. Um, I mean, I I personally, if I was a young and upcoming uh, footballer, I would choose Pep Guardiola as my mentor. I mean, he's yeah. he's, he's 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 Mister Tractor Football, um, mm. and as someone like. Holland has seen he's able to score the goals in a rough and tumble, haphazard way. Now he's able to actually impress with quality football. You know, yeah. As you as you say, you know, if any youngster had a chance to work with Pep Guardiola, I mean, you would take it with both hands. And we've <laughs> seen, absolutely. we've seen what he's done. And how he's transformed Phil Foden. And why wouldn't he be able to do that with Haaland? Didn't Phil Foden win Young Player of the Year this year? He did. 
did. Yeah, in the in the Premier League, obviously not. Um, yeah, he was exceptional. Like his final day performance was oh, so yeah, he's magical. He's magical. The he way really the way he the way he just like I don't know, it just controls the game. Like you see him get the ball, he just controls and d- d- dictates the play on the left hand side. He played on the left hand side. Just the way, like his first touches, his his close control dribbling was just ridiculous. Like, although he didn't get, he didn't contribute to the score, he contributed to like that comeback. He contributed to that turn in events. Yeah, and consistently and, um, throughout that game. And uh, with regard, you mentioned it, with regard to that final day and the season ending in City's favour, do you think that that was the an accurate depiction of the, se- of the season for City to win it? Or do you think that maybe Liverpool was slightly hard done by um, with coming, with, with falling short? I don't think that it was, a, you know, we can't say that it was a, all a, a, f- a fair reflection. Obviously, it was extremely close, not not even extremely close throughout. You know, Liverpool were well behind City at one stage, like 15 points at one stage. Um, and, like, they bottled a few games, you know, the Leicester game especially, uh, with Salah missing that penalty. It tr- obviously, you trace it back to those little moments to see where they lost lost it in the end. But City have had their tumbles. So, I mean, you know, Liverpool were definitely a bit hard done by, you know. Um, but as we say, you know, if you don't win the league, you, you, you don't deserve to win the league if you don't win the league, you know. And you are essentially yeah. the architects of your own downfall if you, you know, lose matches like like the list <clears throat> like the Leicester City game where Salah had a penalty to convert and missed or got it saved. Yeah, I completely agree. So essentially, yeah. I completely yeah. agree. But then also, then then again, City did also slip up a couple times. Um, and it was exactly. also not not yeah. not a com- not a comfortable last day for them. Um, but in true city fashion, when it comes to winning the league, they pulled it off. Sure. Um, yeah. And there was that there was, was exceptional. Limbs, there was limbs at the final whistle, wasn't there? Um, I mean, I yeah, I, was, I was I was watching I was watching the game uh, from the second half onwards, um, and uh, I was like, wow. City could actually just bottle this, and I don't know why I doubted it. Yeah. Because if any, if anyone, no. if anyone knows how to change a game from being from behind, besides obviously Sir Alex Ferguson, it is uh, Pep Guardiola. He he can read the game, and he's one of those managers that make a strategic decision because he spots what's gone wrong in the team. He's not just making a change for the sake of making a change. He's not just putting players on the field and hoping that they will perform. He's saying, well, I saw what was lacking in that first half. I saw the opportunity that went amiss, and now I know exactly what to do to change that. Yeah, the way I, the way Sterling came on, Zinchenko, he took off Stones, put on Zinchenko, took Cantelo over to the right-hand side, put Sterling on, put Gundogan on. 
it completely changed the game. And yeah, how, how much in five like, minutes? Gone wrong. In five minutes, it was it was done. Comeback mm. was done. It was yeah. crazy. Like it was the most crazy. I was watching that game. I didn't want to watch any other game because it was the feature game. It was the feature game on Goal Rush, dude. Like best game I've ever seen City play, and when when it mattered most. Wow. You can you can tell that they are the best team uh in that league. Obviously best team in England and I would say top three in the world. You know? Yeah, consistent consistently consistency wise, they are the best team in the world. Obviously it didn't work out for them in the in the Champions League, but they mm-hmm. lost to the team that won. So yeah. and it was very, very marginal. I mean it was also due to late goals from Real Madrid, yeah. so it wasn't as if Real Madrid beat them, beat them. They just beat them. They 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 found was, what they had. They found out what they had to do on the day, and they managed to do it. But they didn't. Like, City dominated them. It was um, just mm. stroke of uh, brilliance from Rodrigo twice. Mm. Um, Modric actually, Modric, Modric with the assist. Stroke oh, yeah. of brilliance from Modric. Yeah, I started with from yeah, I, I guess so. I was like, am I remembering the game correctly? Because I do remember Rodrigo's goals. No, uh, Rodrigo's goals. Yeah, you are you are right. Uh, Modric was the catalyst. Yeah, he was the architect. I mean, it was, yes, it's sir. kind of ironic. It's kind of ironic how you know you can compare Pep's decisions in the final day and the the second leg. You know. His Champions League tactical changes completely imploded and it didn't work. Like he put Fernandinho on when they were leading one no, thinking that they've won, thinking that, you know, they can see it out. Yeah. In actual fact, they took off De Bruyne <laughs> and, you know, now they lacked that quality in their midfield and they were pressured and Compared to the final day, when they, when it mattered most, Pep realized, yeah, I think when Preps, when Pep is under pressure like that on the final day, I think he knows what to do in those pressure moments. If he's too relaxed, if it's, if it's, if he has to see out a game, I don't think he, he, I don't know. Maybe maybe the, his overthinking nature a bit got to him a bit in that second leg. What are your thoughts? Um, so I viewed the second leg fairly different in that, yes, obviously it seemed as though Pep probably bottled it with the mistakes he made. And I, I, I understand that argument. I'm not saying whoever says that is wrong. What I'm saying is the substitutions he made on paper were correct, right? He put an experience, right? He put on the club captain, Fernandinho, who if anyone's going to have a level head, it's probably Fernandinho. Um, but unfortunately, it was athleticism that let Fernandinho down, right? In that, did you see how in those last few minutes, every 50-50 that Fernandinho went for got beaten to the ball? Um, and although he's been a great servant of Manchester City, he severely let his team down in those last, in those final moments. And that's mm. not all down to Pep. I think Pep was just maybe assuming that Fernandinho had more in his legs. 
But then again, he trains with them. He, tra- he, he trains them every day. He should know Fernandinho's capabilities. Um, and then obviously, for some reason, that City squad, I think, kind of fell asleep. They assumed they assumed like everyone else, like the Madrid fans did, that that game was done and dusted. That it was all wrapped up. That the fat lady had sung. But credit to Real Madrid for per- persevering, and that's kind of what they did yesterday as well. Like they were not dominating that match in the first half. They were not. They they were. I mean, yes, obviously the um, the goal that was ruled out was kind of suspicious. Was fairly dodgy, but Liverpool did dominate the midfield for a long period of that match. Um, although Thiago's passing was somewhat. Um, uh, he didn't find it. He didn't. He didn't find his uh, his range. But they, they did dominate the midfield for a long period of the game. Um, so yeah. Yeah, I mean, going back to the city chat, second leg. You you can obviously that, there's there's one there's one you know conversation about the tactical side from Pep, and then the players who got onto the pitch. <laughs> You know, put in a good performance. If you're coming on for the last 20 minutes, you know, seal the deal. You know, you, you've you've got a one nil lead to protect. Do your job, and yeah, but that's what I'm saying. That's also one conversation. Good. Yeah, it's an equal shared responsibility from the player and the manager. I get you on that yeah. side. Definitely, definitely. And back um, to the final. That the final last night. Obviously, Real Madrid won. But, bro, like even like it. It doesn't matter that Benzema got his goal disallowed because Liverpool had the opportunities, didn't take them. Courtois was mesmerizing. Jeepers, the guy was outstanding. The way he nullified pretty much every shot on target from Liverpool was exceptional. What are your thoughts? I completely agree. Um, It was his positioning for me that uh, really stood out. Yeah, obviously his his reflexes with that Salah shot across goal from from the right-hand side was exceptional, but if you look, there was a great camera angle that I showed last night on BT Sport. If you look about three seconds before Salah shoots, normally the keeper is completely focused on, on, on the uh, attacker during that situation, on the man with the ball. Courtois had a, a split second where he looked to his left-hand side post, right? Where, as we know, Salah actually a lot of the time does kind of go near post. Um, and... Um, he had a split look at his near split split second look at his near post. Realized that that Salah had kind of done himself dirty with the angle. Um, he could have gone a bit closer, so he knew that he wasn't going to go near post. So he actually shifted his body a bit a bit a bit more to the to his right, um, and was in the perfect position to make that save. In the perfect position, it was incredible. It was it was. Almost Ika Casillas esque, you know how Casillas's positioning was outrageous for low for for um a good fifteen years of his career. He had the best positioning, um, 
but yeah, I was um, that's like the only person I can really compare it to because for me it seemed like Courtois was just on a different level. Yeah, I mean he he did it in the semi final too uh, when they played City. He was very much on his on his game. He did it countless times, like, but obviously on a big stage like a final, you're gonna get more eyes on you. You're gonna get more recognition if you're gonna have a top performance like that. You know, like the games before that are, are not gonna matter. Like once you performed in that final, everyone's gonna re- gonna know what you did in that final. Like nothing else is gonna matter. And just remind me on that Salah opportunity. Uh, I kind of vaguely remember it. Okay, it was in the okay. second half, right? Yeah, it was very. Yeah, much it was very much in the game. Um, and um, he had the ball in his right foot. Um, he was about three or so steps into the box, uh, about a meter and a half outside the right right hand post. Hmm. Ball in his right foot went across, went across the goal. And could oh, stuck out a yes. right, 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 right. Yes, um, I remember it. So, yeah, sure, I remember that then. Yeah, that was a great. That was a crazy save. That that's when I that thought Salah score. was going to score. That's when I thought it was going to be one-one. I remember that now. Um, yo, what a save! Because he, yeah, he actually. You said he. As soon as Sorry. as soon as that actually happens from an angle, you close out your near post. Yes. Naturally, you close out your near post and you get ready. You take a little like jump before you actually save. Mm-hmm. But he positioned himself further to that right hand post. His exactly. right hand post. I'm going to. So he can make that save. Sec- if you give me about 15 seconds, I'll actually be able to. Um, I'm just trying to bring up the highlights quickly on YouTube. No, no, I actually I remember it completely. I I can't remember if it was from I think it was from a counter attack. Yes, dude, he it was from a counter attack and full on Mendy was marking him and he kind of like did him with like a little fake going inside like okay yeah so, full on yeah, Mendy so. thought he was gonna go inside and he kind of like um tricked him like he got him on his flat foot like. He caught him a bit flat-footed, Salah. Salah yeah. caught him a bit flat-footed and got a bit ahead of him, and that made him get the shot away. But I thought that was, as soon as he caught him flat-footed, I thought it was done. That's a yes. goal. And then Courtois was, just pulls out this crazy save. It was, I remember 81st, it, now. It, was the, it was the 81st minute around... Here we go. So, Salah receives the ball at 81 minutes 53, right? Courtois, literally, and it's it's like, if you only watch in the slow motion, you see... Him quickly check his um his his near post. Um, it's literally like a like almost like a whiplash type movement, right? He literally mm. moves his head very quickly, right? And then Salah beats the player, and he knows exactly where he is. There's no chance, like he's perfectly positioned to stop this. Um, mm. the shot is then taken at 81 minutes 56, and the yeah. save is the save is just next level. Um, mm. and the the celebration. I mean, I absolutely I loved. The um, the passion from Eder Militao last night. Yeah. Um, yeah. Every every clearance, every block, every save, he was celebrating that because he wanted it more than anyone else. Yeah, I mean, as 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 you all say, as defenders, 
a block off the line or a goal-saving tackle <coughs> is, as good, is as good as a goal. Yeah, exactly. So, dude, I, I want exactly. to also talk about a bit more things, like deviating away from what's just happened and looking into what's to come, you know. Uh, there's a whole bunch of uh, cool tournaments coming up. So the Nations League is starting again. Now we have the Finalissima on the 1st of June between Italy and Argentina. Yeah, that's going to be a bit of a yeah. sketchy yeah. one. I'm quite worried for that game. Yeah, well, and, we spoke uh, about uh, the other day. We, I, I sent the England squad into you for the mm. Nations League. Um, mm. Extremely, I have them up, yeah. extremely excited for it. Extremely excited mm. for it. Um, yeah, I mean, Italy, Italy, England, and Germany, and Hungary on in, in the Nations League Group C. I think that is a mm. crazy group. I mean, I so Italy are going to have a tough time in there. Because Germany and England squads are looking stacked with players there, sure. Yeah, just before we move on to this thing, um, did you see that article that was was released by, I think it was the, um, the chairman of the Italian Olympic Committee, said that there's still a possibility in which Italy go through to the World Cup? Don't give me hope. <laughs> I'm not giving you hope. I, I thought maybe you would have um, seen this. No, I, I, haven't, it, it seen, is, I haven't seen this. It's very speculative. I think it's based on a team within the South American um, South American pool that illegally fielded Italy. I mean, it, they fielded an illegal player, um, and if a team fields an illegal player and then disqualified from the World Cup, the highest ranking um, team in the FIFA rankings will then be automatically given that spot. And that is Italy. And that obviously is Italy. Um, here we go. Uh, I'll tell you now. The team is it Peru? Is, um, give me one second. Give me a single second. Uh, it is... I lied to you. It's not a single second. It's taken me longer than I thought to look for this. Um, I want to see. I heard back... So I heard back a while ago, um, just after Italy had been knocked out of the qualifying, mm -hmm. that Iran had already qualified for the, the World Cup, but they there was some controversy with them not allowing females, two thousand females, into into a football match in Iran, and they were mm -hmm. obviously being threatened with being taken out the World Cup and it, the headline was Italy could still make the World Cup with this because of this. And yeah, so it's, it, um, it, it's, yeah. it's Ecuador, actually. Um, Ecuador yeah. apparently fielded an illegal player, Byron Castillo, because apparently um, Castillo is in fact uh, Colombian and he falsified his age. Sure. Is this recent news? Yeah, 20th of May. <clears throat> Are you good? Yeah, sorry. My, my voice <laughs> is just going. 
I've been coughing the whole day and my voice is just going. Um, but I don't, I'm drinking lots of water to keep this podcast going. Um, yeah, Byron, Byron Castillo. Um, okay. he's, under, he's under investigation by FIFA. <clears throat> um, because apparently he's just Colombian. So, yeah. I know. Colombia didn't qualify, so surely Ecuador don't qualify. You know. Well, well, I mean, if he's if he's Colombian playing playing for Ecuador, falsifying his age, um, that's 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 the part you can't play a player that yeah. is not of your uh, national origin. Um, yeah, I mean that's the thing. Like, that's the thing. You know, why would it be such an issue? Just don't play him, eliminate him from the squad, and then. Like, it doesn't have to be a formal investigation around it, just eliminate him from the squad. So, like. Yeah, but yeah. he played, he played in a, in a match for them, which means their chances of qualifying. So that's why. Did he, did he score? Did he provide for the team? I don't think that's the main, the main issue is the fact that he played. <clears throat> that he played. Yeah. Sure. Yowza. Mm. That was quite a ball raise there, huh? Yeah, yeah, no, my voice is not doing well. But yeah, let me just say that was that was distracting. Uh, back back to the back to the Nations League. Yeah. So England and Italy. I'm not sure when they face off, but I think it's in the lot. It's in the third group game. Uh, so I'm on Italy's Twitter now, and then we play uh, Finalissima next week against Argentina. Then we play Germany, then Hungary, then England. Yeah, I think I it's like a while away, isn't it? Yeah, yeah. It's going to be a, a great game, you know. Throwback to the Euro 2020 final. England are going to want revenge, obviously. Oh, my heartache, don't remind me. <laughs> and I just, I'm just looking at the teams now and, you know, some some nice players, you know, some proper players making mm. the squads, you know. Uh, you know, England most notably... Few uh, debut call-ups. Uh, Fikayo Tomori, Fikayo Tomori, James Justin, um, Tammy Abraham, big Jared Bowen, deserved call-ups. Most definitely, most definitely. Yeah, uh, yeah I think. What's your um, take? What's your take? Yeah, extremely interesting. Um, it's brave from Southgate, which is probably the first time anyone's ever said that. Um, but I'm happy, you know. I've I've wanted a change in the squad. Now I want to change in the starting lineup. Um, mm. As you know, you and I spoke about the other day, um, outside of the podcast, that yeah. the the centre back pairing that England uses obviously they're not conceding uh, too many goals, but when they come up against better teams, like they will be in this Nations League, like, like they will eventually do in the World Cup, they've got to have a better centre-back pairing than like Harry Maguire and John Stones. Because as much as I think John Stones is a good player, I one, I don't think Harry Maguire is a good player, and two, I don't think they work well together at all. Um, and if they're playing a three at the back, I don't think Harry Maguire suits a three at the back. Um, and, sorry, well, a five at the back, whatever you want to call it. Um, and I think that Fakaya Tomori, uh, deserves to start. And I think Connor Cody deserves to start. So maybe it'd be a Walker, Cody, Tomori, um, center back, uh, triplet. 
Um, trio. And then, yeah, trio, that's probably the better word to use. Um, <laughs> but, uh, yeah, I'm hoping. Uh, I'm just, I'm hoping that that's yeah. what happens. I mean, I think all England fans are hoping, to be honest. <laughs> yeah. How can they, how can they ever come together if Harry Maguire's in the squad? Even in, like, let alone he's in the squad, like, if he's in the starting lineup, how can England fans ever pull together as a nation and support their team? I know, there's just, I mean, we've, we've, we're a nation in which there's always going to be so much drama around our, uh, our football because the, the amount of shit we give our players is just unnecessary. Like the stuff that Bakaya Saka and Marcus Rashford and Sancho went through last year is just disgusting. But when it comes to like our players underperforming, England fans have always given them shit. Like during the golden age of Gerrard, Scholes, Lampard, <clears throat> Rio Ferdinand, they just didn't click. That was because of their interpersonal relationships, but also because the fans put so much pressure on them. Now that the team has is somewhat a cohesive unit, it's also up to the fans to be cohesive with the players. Yeah, um, and, and yeah. I think. Honestly, it boils down to that. But it boils down to, as you said, the players, the, co- the cohesiveness of the players. And what contributes to that is the fans backing the players within the squad and trusting that project from the manager. So it's it's always a two-way street in football. You know, You've got to have onboarding from the fans. You've got to have weight being pulled from the players in the squad. Mm-hmm. And yeah. It's and bit, and spoke, that's why we we've seen... About that midfield of theirs, that midfield uh, possible of Conor Gallagher starting with maybe yeah. Jude and Calvin Phillips or even Mount Declan. Bellingham, Mount Bellingham, Declan. Uh, it's just promising. I just hope James Ward-Prowse doesn't start. Because um, I don't think he deserves to. I think he's a good player, but I don't think he deserves to start. Um, and then even the call up for Jared Bowen is just hot, hot warming. Um, mm, it is. But, he yeah. is a, a, a flipping good player. Mm. He's immensely good. Mm. And Tammy yeah, Abraham yeah. as well. What a player. Yeah, yeah. Tammy's Tammy's performed uh, above anyone's expectations for him this season. Uh, maybe, maybe besides Mourinho's. I think Mourinho trusted him from the start. Um, 100%. But uh, I do think that he can maybe be an impact sub. I don't think there's a chance that he starts ahead of Foden, Grealish, Kane, Sterling. Maybe yeah. he starts ahead of Saka. But then again, Saka is loved by um, Southgate because they worked together when uh, mm-hmm. Southgate was managing the younger England team. Yeah, who do you think? Obviously, we're gonna we're gonna see Carry Harry Kane starting up front. That's a given. Who who are we gonna see starting on the left and the right? Will we see really Foden or Grealish yeah, really or Saka? Really hoping, really really hoping that it's 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 a Foden Saka or Foden Grealish partnership. I mean, I won't start Saka, but I would have. I, I wouldn't like, I wouldn't hate for him to start because I don't think he's a bad player but I'm hoping a Foden Grealish partnership so yeah we, we saw in the final we saw Saka start we saw Foden and Kane start yeah I think it'll be similar to that, that. Um, the, the I just don't like Sterling that much so I think it might be a Foden Saka Foden Grealish 
Grealish Saka type mm. thing. And a two in the midfield or a three in the midfield even? What do you think? Yeah, we, we, we know that um, Southgate loves a fight at the back and for some silly, silly reason, he does the Ole Gunnar Solskjaer and says, let's put another protective layer then, let's play two CDMs. <laughs> um, but I'm hoping he's a bit more expansive and I'm hoping he plays like Jude and... Uh, Jude and uh, Gallagher or Jude and Mount, but he will probably end up playing Calvin Phillips and Declan Rice. <laughs> oh, just, like you uh, did just... throughout the Euros. Um, like, I don't think Phillips will start, to be honest, just because of his injury issues. And, like, he's not... I don't think he's near match fitness at all. Uh, so, I think he'll start. Definitely start Rice. And... I, it's it's going to be between Mount and Bellingham, I think. I'm not sure who yeah. you're starting. Yeah, well, I mean, like, if we if we look at our game that we played against Switzerland, uh, the friendly, he started yeah. Gallagher, he started Gallagher and Henderson, um, and then he had yeah, Foden oh. and Mount. Um, but obviously Henderson's big... not, Henderson's That's... not in the squad. Um, I actually didn't realize that Henderson wasn't in the squad. That's a big yeah little. Um, Person that had missed out. Wow. Yeah. Yeah. Um, but yeah, I'm, I'm, I'm hoping that uh, I'll, I'll actually be happy, you know, with just two fat seats, two fat uh, midfielders, uh, which would be, per- be, per- be, per- be perfect with Jude and Conor Gallagher. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So I, mean, I, I, I am a fan of Rice, so I don't know. Mm-hmm. Um, it, it, it's not an easy decision to make, as you can say, as you can yeah, see, I'm not. just. Uh, I, I, I would be, I would, I would hate to be guy of Southgate, but also love. He has so many options, but it's a tough decision to make. Mm. So, enough talk about England, because we know, we all know, it's never coming home. Uh, yeah, yeah, yeah. Talking about the the Blues, the Azuri. Blues. Yes, the Blues, the Azuri, Italy. Okay, yeah. it's quite a, it's it's a very big squad. I'm not sure if they're going to cut this down, but there's about 500 defenders on this list. <laughs> Dude, yeah. I'll, I'll, I'll count for you. It, it might take half an hour, but I'm going to count. One, two, three, four, five, six, seven, eight, nine, ten, eleven, twelve, thirteen, fourteen 10, 11, 12, 13, 14 players under uh, defensori, which is defenders. Mm-hmm. I'm not sure if they're going to cut this down because they're four goalkeepers here. And then there's, I think this is the squad for Nations League and the Finalissima. Yes. And then they're just going to, they're going to have to cut it down for the Nations League. Yeah. So who who are the defenders they've they've listed? Is there like, uh, Cambiaso? um, (laughs) What? Cannavaro. So, no, 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 no. The um, yeah, the uh, what's his what's his name? Yeah, Cambiaso. What Cambiaso, the... whatever his name is. The one that's um, fucking what's his name? <laughs> Chiellini. No, 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 no. Cambiaso. Dude, that's not a player. That's a old Argentine midfielder. No, it's the about Cambiaso. Guy that plays for Genoa. Crescito. No, 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 no. What? Uh, give me, give me a second. Okay, no, I'm just gonna name the defenders. Okay, so it's mm. 
goalkeepers, uh, Alessio Cranio, Gigi Donnarumma, Alex Merritt, Salvatore Sirigu, and then there's Francesco Acerbi, Bastoni, Biragi, Bonucci, Davide yeah. Calabria, Chiellini, Di Lorenzo, Federico Di Marco, Emerson, Palmieri, Florenzi, Manuel Lazzari, Luis mm-hmm. Felipe, uh, Gianluca Mancini, and Spinazzola. Mm. Yeah. That's Spinazzola's back. Yeah, mate, sorry, one second. Yeah, Andrew Cambiasso, uh, who had a great, great season. Uh, the fullback. Andrea Cambiasso. Yeah. I've never heard of this player. Yeah, okay. Yeah, you're right. 22 years old, defender for Genoa. Played 26 games. He was like the only good player for Genoa this season. Genoa got relegated. So. Yeah, he was, like the, he was their only good player for them this season. Yeah, interesting. I thought maybe he would have got a call up because you said it was you said the squad was interesting, so I was like, oh, maybe he got a call up. Uh, yeah, I mean, like the the new additions, uh, Luis Felipe converted his nationality from Brazilian to Italian. He plays for Lazio. Mm-hmm. Um, Lazzari is a, he plays for Lazio as well. Di Marco first call up uh, from he's a wing back that plays for Inter. And then there's uh, Fratesi, who plays uh, for Sassuolo. He's also a, a new addition to the team. Dude, Lorenzo Pellegrini is insane. He's so good. He's the captain yeah. for Roma. Yeah, of course. I know who he is. Yeah, and then we have Barella, Cristante, Giorgino, Locatelli, Pessina, Tonali, Verratti. Mm-hmm. And then... Attackers, Belotti. So no Immobile, hey? This is a shock. This is a big shock for me. Immobile is not. <laughs> no he scored 27. Way. He was the top sco- goal scorer in Serie A this season. He scored 27 goals. He's not even in the squad. And the other like, I've not. Like, they included, they managed to include Belotti, Pinamonti, uh, Raspadori Scamaca, deserved. Mm-hmm. Then there's new additions like Pra, Verona, uh, Pinamonti on loan from Inter. Um, Was Mancini he's on loan chosen? at Empoli. Mancini. Yeah, was Mancini. Mancini was he chosen in 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 the defenders? Yeah, yeah. Gianluca Mancini, yeah, Roma, Roma yeah. defender. Berardi, Bernadeschi, yeah, Insigne. Moise Keane, Politano, uh, Raspadori, Scamacca, Zaccagni, and Zaniolo. So it's it's a good, yeah, youngish squad. Just missing a few players that I thought might make it. Like, dude, Balotelli scored five goals recently. Like, yeah, but he's playing in a trash league. Surely that deserves a call-up, though. Like, they were insane. He's called yeah. a Rabona, man. Yeah, I saw they like triple stepped over, and then mm. uh, yeah. no, he's 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 playing in a trash league. Yeah, he's playing in the 
like Turkish second division or something. Isn't you? I think I think he's playing in the Tur- in like the, the the actual Turkish league now. The Turkish um, league, yeah. But I, yeah, oh, no, they, yeah, yeah, I think he is. Um, hmm. But they're still a trash league. You know, they're not they're not doing very well. Yeah. Honestly, like as an as an Italian, as a avid uh, and passionate supporter of the Azuri, like. I look at this squad and I'm like, how how are we going to beat Germany? How are we going to beat England? Like we we need to be motivated. We need to just be brought up from the depths of despair. And hopefully that you know we can turn a corner because we've got quality, man. We've got quality. Verratti, Barella, Cristante, Pellegrini. Tonali, quality. Insignia, uh, quality. Raspadori, Scamacca, Zaniola, quality. Uh, yeah, we just need a solid defense. We need a solid uh, centre-back pairing and, and solid wing-backs. Yeah, I agree. I don't, like, you're not hopeless at the moment. I mean, I'm not hopeless. You failed to qualify for the World Cup. Your team is still a good, good team. You know, um, mm. just fairly unlucky in the uh, the qualification. Yeah. So, yeah. Just start afresh. You know, start start from zero again. Now we build. Now we build. Now we just forget about the past and try win the Nations League. Try win the Finalissima. Yeah, that's about it, yeah. to be honest. You won't win the Nations League, but you can try. Yeah, we'll try. I don't think we will win. I think there are definitely stronger international squads out there. But we'll try. Definitely. Yeah, I think maybe it'll be a, a runaway for the uh, the favourites. Um, Who are think, the favourites? Uh, <laughs> at this stage, I'm saying France. Yo, they've got a great squad here. Sure. Yeah, that's what I'm saying. They're they have, the but they, they're just just looking into their squad. They, they without any visual, their players, their informed players at the moment, Benzema, Dembele, Dembele. I don't even think made the squad. That's how really? competitive the squad is. And Kunku. Uh, I don't think Giroud made it either. To be honest with you. Dude, Giroud is on quality form. How wouldn't he have made it? I don't think he, I remember seeing that he didn't make it. I mean, just off the top of my head, you know, Teo Hernandez. A lot of Milan players actually off. Mike Magnon, Olivier Giroud, Teo Hernandez. All Milan players. So, I mean, I saw that. Konate didn't even make it. Dembele didn't even make it. Really? I mean, they've got Aurelian Chomeni. Chomeni had a great season at Monaco and he's being scouted by Flippin Real Madrid. So, yeah. I mean, yes. they've, oh, we're, missing, we're missing the killer, Mbappe. The heartbreaker. The yeah. Madrid heartbreaker. Madrid heartbreaker. Yeah. So, I mean, I'm just looking at, like, a 
on the field team. I think this play this team played against Bafana Bafana. Mignon in goals, Saliba, Varane, Kimpembe. Kimpembe. <laughs> that yeah. song, bro, it's stuck in my head. There's Ganduzi. Klaus, uh, Jonathan Klaus, Kante, Rabio, Dina, Griezmann, Mbappe, Giroud. Now they've got Benzema and Kunku. They've got so many options. And they've got Loris, obviously. How can we forget yeah. about Loris? Yeah. Pavard, Upa Meccano, Teo Hernandez, Lucas Hernandez. And the quality manager. I think they've got the best international manager at the moment. Mm. Yeah. yeah. Kamavinga, how can we forget? Koman, how can we forget? Kante, Chalmeni. Dimitri Payet, surely. You know? With some Benyeda. He scored 20 plus goals in the league. I don't, I don't think Payet makes their squad, to be honest with you. Yeah, I don't think so, too. There's also Musa Diaby. There's. Uh, yeah, I think, he's, I think he's made the squad. Yeah, he's Jules Kunde, Benzema. Musa Diaby is also so heat. Yeah, exactly. Someone needs to buy that guy. He's I, I, I think they're uh, they're the favourites. Um, probably followed yeah. by maybe the German squad and then maybe England. Mm. Um, Portugal? Nah. Mm, nah, not for me. Not not this tournament. Um, yeah. Yeah, I don't. I don't think they're uh, they're thriving at the moment. Mm. Yeah. Yeah, it's a tough one. You know, we'll we'll just see what happens. I'm I'm very excited because I think England are playing hungry first. Uh, that'll be a nice game to kick it off for you guys. Yeah, I think it's a fairly uh, easy start, but then obviously it goes uh, very downhill from there. Would be a good game to start off the Nations League. France, Denmark. That, that's a great game to start off the Nations League. Yeah, yeah. What a, what a game! And with Spain, Eriksen Portugal. Well. Oh, we we forgot about the. We forgot about Spain, Belgium, Netherlands. All of those teams, great squads. Mm, I don't think Spain will challenge, and I I think Belgium we did forget about, but I don't think <laughs> Spain or Netherlands will challenge. Belgium, Belgium just have, are now just having like a bit of in-depth problems in their defense. So now their defenders are getting quite old. You know, they've their golden golden generation is like slowly diminishing, and now they yeah. they're looking obviously looking for new defenders. Bit of a bit of a change. But speaking of Belgian players, do you remember that youngster that I used to love, Adnan Yanazai? Yes, he's a free agent, isn't he? He's a he's a free agent now. Yeah, Real Sociedad released him, and there's rumours of him going to West Ham because I remember how close he close he was with David Moyes. Sure, that that could be a signing, eh? Yeah, yeah, would be a great signing. I would actually be very very keen for him to come back to the Premier League. I want to watch that guy again. Yeah, he was very when he was younger. He was he was promising as a United uh, youngster. It wasn't bad for Real Sociedad. It's just that they, um, I think they just need to cut him, you know. They did a bit of a culling as well. They've let go a few players. And um, yeah. he, was, he was starting pretty much every game for them. 
Um, it was just and obviously not made for him, but I, I would love to see him back in the Premier League, a familiar face. Yeah. I think you would love it more than me, to be honest. So, yeah, I'd love it we'll more see. than pretty much anyone else, but yeah. <laughs> just because it gives you a bit of nostalgia. Massive nostalgia. I used to love that, man. Okay, Justin. I think uh, let's wrap it up. It was, it was great yeah, talking to you. Uh, we've got so many more topics to cover, so whenever you're free, I'll give next, you a little ring. Next Saturday, yeah, next Saturday. Well, this Saturday coming up. Yeah, that'll be good. I'll give you a ring and you can just uh, keep on releasing absolute bangers to the public. Sounds good to me, mate. Sweet, bro. It's like, it's like I said that as a DJ. <laughs> yeah, bangers to the public. Bangers to the public. Okay, mm-hmm. thank you everyone for joining in on the live, uh, if you did, and we'll see you in the next episode where me and Justin will keep ranting about football. <laughs>